Hey, 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 my friends. Welcome to Grief Guidance. I'm your host, Kristen Hines, and I just want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart for showing up today. This podcast is something that I believe God has weighed heavily on my soul and on my heart for quite some time now. And it feels good to finally be taking action and listening to Him and showing up for Him. So I just want to say welcome. And if you're listening to this, it's most likely because you've lost someone. And I just want to say from the bottom of my heart how sorry I am for your loss. If I can come through the mic and give you a hug, I would. And I just, I know what you're going through. I know that pain. I know that feeling. I know the isolation and the loneliness and the heartbreak that you're experiencing. And if you're here for someone else, if you know someone who has lost someone and you're here just to learn how to better support them, I applaud you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for showing up for that person because they they, they need it. Whether or not they're telling you that they need it, when people are grieving, they just need to know others are there. And so that's how this podcast was born. In this episode, you're going to learn about my why, my past, my losses, and we're going to grow in our relationship together. I believe that if you know about my background, it'll be easier moving forward. And it's probably going to be hard to talk about, and I'm probably going to make a few mistakes along the way, but... I think it's important because our society is so removed from the idea about talking about death. And it's something that happens. Each and every one of us dies. And so it's astonishing to me now, after going through my trials, just how far removed society is about is about talking about death. So I really want to you know, bridge that gap and change the narrative around death. And I hope that you'll stay along for the ride. So if you want to keep on listening... Here I go. Hey, thank you for continuing to listen and and to learning more about me. I really appreciate that because I feel like if our relationship grows, then I can help you grow as well. So just thank you for being here. Like I said in the intro... I'm going to be explaining my past and a little bit about me for you to be able to get to know me better. And then I'm going to explain my losses and how that all went down. And it's going to be a really heavy episode for me. And so I thank you for your patience and your love and your kindness throughout all of this. Because again, talking about death is not easy. But I believe God placed this on my heart so that it can do good. I think he wants me to talk publicly and openly about death in my experience, so that it can help other people. So diving right into my background, I guess you can say, I grew up in a little town outside of Scranton, Pennsylvania. And yes, it's the birthplace of the office, home of the office, but it's not as exciting as some people may think. But it's still a good town. I like I like it a lot. It has taught me a lot too. And I grew up with four brothers, two older, two younger, And that was really, really fun. And I guess that's where our story can start a little bit because growing up the only girl out of four boys, like the only girl out of five, I learned how to like play tough and create this hard exterior. But deep down, I was still daddy's little girl and and mommy's little girl. But for this story, I was daddy's little girl. And growing up, I always had this like love for my dad and attachment to my dad and... 
as I got older into my teen years, that kind of got lost a little bit because I felt like my dad paid more attention to his work than he did to me. And I learned later that while that may be true, because it was my experience growing up, that it wasn't his experience. Um, and that's kind of a hard realization to take when I learned that, you know, we were both going through the same stuff, but his experience was different from mine. And that takes us to, to my teen years and like late teen years, meaning like, um, high school into college. And during that time, my relationship with my father was very rocky. We never saw eye to eye. I felt like he didn't care. I felt like we had this fake relationship where I was being someone he wanted me to be, but he wasn't really listening to who I wanted to be. And we never, we kind of stayed in that cycle of me not talking about my feelings about it and him not bringing anything up because that's kind of how he was raised. And we got into this little cycle of thinking that the other person really didn't care about the other person. And so that was really difficult also to realize. But after I graduated college, my father and I went into business together and I was working underneath his company and helping him out. And at that time, I really did feel like an employee of his and we were always constantly in fights, getting angry. I was stepping up for myself a little bit more at that time because I have an issue with authority. And when authority starts talking down on me, I completely shut out. And so my father had a very easy time of overstepping uh, boundaries and talking over you and yelling at you that made me feel belittled. So I would naturally just shrink. And so during that time when I was working for him, I stepped up and I spoke up for myself, which I was proud about for. But my dad really didn't like that and it caused a lot of turmoil. And then a couple of, uh, probably in a couple of months, I would believe, we actually uh, started a seafood business and that had its ups and downs. I learned a lot from my father during that time. I'm grateful for that time because it helped me grow a lot about what I wanted to do, who I wanted to be, if I were a business owner, how I would want things to be run. And it was a good time, but it also was an extremely difficult time because it completely destroyed my relationship with my dad because of just fights and picking and making fun and it was honestly not that portion was not good and so after a really busy season I walked out on him and I told him I can't do this anymore you need to find somebody else because it, this just isn't working we're, we're just constantly fighting I feel like you don't care and I left and then a couple months, I did not speak to him. I did not really talk to him. I didn't see him. I didn't do anything. And then it took probably a year um, of me being in a really low place of not doing the things I needed to do, being very, I was depressed. I was probably depressed for like a, very, a whole year, just confused about life, so withdrawn. And after that, it was in the summer of 2019, I believe, where my husband, Benjamin, and I, Shout out to him because he's an amazing man. We started searching for churches and it was during that time where I felt like God was calling me home. Now, I grew up in a Catholic household and like my parents took me to church and stuff, but it never 
clicked with me. Catholicism really never clicked. And my husband, Ben, grew up at a Methodist church and he really enjoyed it. But there was something about after we got married that we wanted to find a church that worked like for the both of us. And so we went church hunting basically. And like we would wake up and on a Sunday morning and just start going to different churches. And we eventually found a church in Clark Summit. And the church at the time was named Parker Hill. It is now called LCBC Clark Summit. And it's at Parker Hill where God met me where I was at, took my hand, and basically changed my life. And so that morning at Parker Hill, when my husband and I went to go to church, I remember it like it was yesterday because it's so ingrained in my mind, that feeling of God meeting us that morning. I really, at that point in my life, there was so much hate in my heart for like a variety of things that I was just hiding. Like, I think God knew that I could not hide any longer from my traumas, from my pain, from my past, and that he knew I needed to talk about it and let my guard down and to be held. I needed someone to hold me and and tell me things were going to be okay. And he knew that. And he led us to Parker Hill's doors. And the first sermon I ever heard from them, I remember just feeling blown away with emotions, like to the point of almost crying. But because I'm a, you know, this hard-hearted person at the time I was like no we're not crying this isn't this isn't happening this isn't happening but I remember just feeling so completely moved by the sermon knowing that there is this mighty powerful God that loves me so much and he already knows all of my mistakes and all my past and my future and all of that so it was just really really heartwarming to know that and why it's important to the story is because it's at Parker Hill or LCBC now that I realized that I did not want to fight with my family. I did not want to fight with my dad. And I, I, I don't have the best relationship with other family members, with my brothers and stuff, but it was my father who I really want, at the moment wanted to fix things with. I wanted to just be honest with him. So... I remember we started to attend services and eventually my husband and I got baptized and became members of the church and it was like a beautiful time. And at that time, I could feel God nudging me to do things. Like I could feel him nudging me to make amends with my dad. I can feel him nudging me to do other um, things that would allow my heart to feel better. And it's really interesting what happens when you listen to God's call versus hide it away like I did for many, many years. And so once you're in tune with that and you can hear the Holy Spirit speaking upon you and telling you the things that God wants you to do, I it is life changing. So I was granted this opportunity in the fall of 2019 to go on a trip to Gloucester, Massachusetts with my brother and his girlfriend. It was me, my dad, his brother, and his girlfriend. And so they wanted to go up to Salem and do the whole, like, um, Salem witch trials thing and be up there for, like, the fall slash Halloween time. And so we took a trip. Now, a little tidbit again about me. I love history, so I love anything. And I I really enjoy, like, maritime history. So 
When we went to Gloucester, I was a little kid in a candy shop. Like that Perfect Storm book, I read it probably twice. The Perfect Storm, the movie, I watched that a bunch of times. I just love it so much. So, and I just love something about the northern coastal like towns and cities. They're just so quaint and cute and I, I want to like retire there and live there with Ben like and just be happy but besides the point so we went up to Gloucester with my dad and I and I remember God telling me to do something like he was nudging me to talk to my dad during this trip and it was about a six and a half hour drive or so seven maybe what stops up to Gloucester and so I remember getting in the car and being like sick to my stomach because I remember so vividly God saying, hey, Kristen, like, you're going to either be confined in a car with him for six hours, so you can either talk to him, and it can end well, or I talk to him, and it's a disaster, and we hate each other for six hours, and then a whole weekend, and my, you know that stomach feeling that you get in the pit of your stomach when something's, like, when you're dreading something, and your stomach is turning, and you literally feel like you're going to throw up? That was me for about, like, two hours into the car ride. We get somewhere in Connecticut around Hartford, and I remember I just had this pull, this sensation just to, to blurt out something to him. And Keith, my brother, my younger brother's name is Keith. Keith and his girlfriend were in the back seat. And I don't know if they're awake or not, but I remember turning to my dad and just asking him questions. I said, Dad, this might be hard, but I feel like I need to talk to you. And guys, he was so receptive for the next like three hours, four hours in that car. We talked. We talked about everything. I told him about how I really didn't feel loved by him, about how he how I felt like he treated me like an employee, how I didn't feel like his daughter most of the time, how I know that he loves me, but I don't feel loved and, and how he treats me and my brothers and how, all that kind of stuff. I poured my heart and my soul to this man who for so long I felt was pushing me away and keeping us distant. And he just listened. I told him even that I thought he was narcissistic and he laughed, but he also acknowledged he not only listened but he acknowledged the things that he that like that I was saying and he apologized for them and I just remember feeling so validated so listened to and I knew that it was God's doing because at any point in time prior to that day he my dad wouldn't have been ready for that conversation he would not have been listening he probably would have just pushed it off like other times and so for him to be ready enough and the Lord knew that I needed this, my dad needed this, and we needed this together because only the Lord knew what was about to come. And so we had a very nice weekend after that. We talked about everything that weekend. And it is one of those vacation, like those trips that I will cherish for the rest of my life because of how close I became to my father during that trip because of taking that leap of faith that God knew I needed to take that push and I ran with it and God was with me the whole entire time. And after this break, I'll come back and tell you why that trip was so important. So after that trip in the fall of 2019, my relationship with my dad literally just blossomed over the following months into 
Something I honestly never thought I was ever going to see in my lifetime. I really thought that my dad and I were just bound to be uncomfortable family members. Like we just never were meant to have that like that father daughter like relationship that many people have. And I was wrong. We really worked at it and were honest with each other and we created this love for each other that was so beautiful. And then the unthinkable happened and my dad was diagnosed with stage four lung cancer in late May, early June of 2020. So my heart literally sank the day that we found out the news. Like we knew dad was sick because he started not being able to do much because he had this, his back just always hurt him. And so there was what we now know as like a massive tumor on his spine. And that's like in his lower back and that's what was causing all the pain, but we didn't know that he had cancer. And it just got so bad. But I remember being at the kitchen table when the results came through and I honestly don't remember who told me or what happened that way, but I remember pleading, begging with God to not let this happen. I mean, this is extremely like hard for me to even talk about because it just brings me right back to that moment, that moment where, you know, someone tells me, hey, your father has cancer. And I just remember the wind being knocked out of me. I started sobbing uncontrollably, begging God to not like let this happen and for him to have an answer or for the results to be wrong. I remember begging and being like, hey, please let this be something else. Please let this be something else. And that again was in like the late spring, early summer of 2020. After it all sank in that my dad does have cancer, he started all the treatments and he got, I don't want to say worse, but obviously he got worse, but he just, he started to act different and he started to like look different, which was a big issue for us because it just kind of solidified the fact that he was sick with all the physical changes that were happening, but his heart also grew during that time and we, our relationship continued to grow over that summer of 2020 because we started to learn like how to talk to each other and how to have more deep, like deeper and honest conversation. And it was so beautiful. It was so beautiful. But also during that time when he was sick, I had to partly take care of him. I had to be his caregiver. So I was going down three days a week. I live an hour away to go take care of him to make sure he got like for someone to be with him, uh, to make his meals, to help him with his appointments and just be there with him to take care of him. And that was a blessing. It, oh my goodness, it was so hard taking care of someone who is sick. It was so stressful and it took such a toll on my mental and physical health. I, I, I can't, that's a whole nother podcast because, or podcast episode, because being a caregiver to someone who is sick and then someone who you're now really, really close to, it's just so excruciating having to do that. So again, I had to be with him throughout the whole entire summer and be taking care of him. And we had some really awesome conversation 
And there is this one day, and, and actually, before I even get into that, there were numerous times throughout that summer where I completely broke down because I had a feeling that that he wasn't going to make it. And I just remember begging and pleading God for that not to happen and saying, like, I would do anything. I will change this behavior, God, if you do this. I will, excuse me, I will, it's just hard for me to get some of this stuff out. I will, you know, act this way, Lord, if you help my father. And so many times where I would, he would be like coughing up, uh, like, his lungs basically like in a fit and he would just be in pain and I can hear him be in pain and I would have to take care of him and then go downstairs into the basement and just sob for like 20 minutes and tell him I'm working out because I couldn't face him and his illness and this disease because it was just way too hard for me to handle. Like I put on such a persona over those months because I had to be strong. Like I had to be strong for him and then I had to be soft for myself in the times when I allowed myself to be, if that makes sense. Um, and so that was really difficult. And I remember this one time, my mom and my aunts, and I think my uncle were coming up to see my father. And we were we had a good day where I made him breakfast and we were just talking and then he was really, really tired and he wanted to nap. So my dad and I went upstairs and his limbs like his feet and his arms and his neck and stuff were all really swollen from like a circulation issue because of the cancer and something to do with his lungs and meds and swelling so his feet were extremely large and they looked painful and I remember him asking me like Kristen can you please just massage my feet until before they come and for other people that know me I hate massaging feet like with a passion I do not like it I hate it I hate it I hate it and my dad asked me this question and without hesitation I said yes and so he sat down in a chair by a window and we're sitting there and he has a rosary from my grandfather I'm pretty sure who also passed away a year before that and he's holding on to it or two years before that I think and he's holding on to it and he's praying I believe and so we're sitting there and I'm massaging his feet and Another thing you don't know about me, but now you do, is that when I massage people, like, or anything like that, I can only do it for, like, a minute, and I, that's not a joke. Like, ask my husband. He can massage my back for, like, 10 minutes, and I I'm, I do it for a minute 30, and then I'm done. I'm out the door. But my dad, I just felt like, how do I describe it? Like, I just felt like a servant to him in that moment, but it was a willing a willingness to serve my my father and I like realizing all he's done and sacrificed and I wanted to do that for him because he asked because he was in pain and so I started to massage his feet because I knew that what I was doing was relieving him like it was it was giving him relief of some sort and it actually put him to sleep for a little bit and I remember I kept on massaging his feet for two hours until my family got there and I remember him waking up and just being so thankful because of how much it felt better and how much that meant to him. And I, for some reason, I could not help but think about the way Jesus washes, 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 excuse me, his disciples feet. And that's what it felt like. Not that I'm comparing myself to Jesus by any means. Like, don't, please don't think I'm doing that. But like that feeling, that selfless feeling, I just, that's, that's the passage that I went to that day. 
And that is another part of that summer that I will never forget. It's just the gratitude that I felt coming off my father that day. It was, it was a beautiful, beautiful feeling. And then that day he talked to my grandmother and my aunts and uncles and, you know, we laughed and we cried a little bit, but we laughed more. And then they left and that leads us into the fall, the fall of 2020, when my life changed again. So the fall of 2020, in late September, very early October, my dad was admitted into the hospital for the second time, I believe. And I was with him for most of that time. His fiance was with him for the whole entire time. And it's honestly, if I have to be honest with you, it is something that I do not allow my mind to go to yet. I'm working with my therapist on it because I've just completely blocked out those like two, two and a half weeks where my dad was in the hospital because it was so excruciating watching him basically not be himself and then be himself and he you can tell he was just going away like I don't know how else to describe it and it was heartbreaking I had to make all the major decisions because I was my dad's power of attorney along with my aunt so like the decisions to do certain meds I had to take care of the decision to do or not to do certain treatments I had to take care of the decision to put him on hospice I had to take care of I remember walking into that room early in the morning and the doctor saying your father only has a few months to live and then them changing their minds and saying your father only has days to live and then me having to call all of my brothers and because it was during COVID I had to fight tooth and nail to get them to be able to see him in the hospital because you were only allowed two visitors. And I understood that COVID was hard, but I don't, it was just so much, so much for my heart to bear, so much for my heart to take. And I literally felt like dying each and every single day because of how stressed I was and how hard all of that was on me. And I, I prayed like <laughs> hard during those t- that time. I prayed from the moment I wake up to the moment my, you know, head hit the pillow. I felt like I was even praying in my dreams for all of this to stop, but in a good way. For my dad to get help, for my dad to get better, better, excuse me, for his lungs to drain, to do all these things. And it was just so extremely difficult to get through. And after we made the decision to send my father home, Those two days, mind you, so a little recap, he went into the hospital, he came out of the hospital, and we thought that he had a little bit, a little longer to live, and then, let's see, three days later, more like two and a half days later, he was dead. My father died on October 10th, 2020, around 9 a.m. in the morning, it was a Saturday. I remember it was beautifully sunny. And there was like no clouds in the sky. And I just knew that the Lord was taking my dad home on a beautiful day. Because if it was gloomy, I don't think my heart could have taken it. And I know that sounds stupid and cliche, I guess. But it really did help knowing that I just, that the Lord was taking him home that day. Like that, that he wanted it 
he wanted us to be reminded that it was a beautiful day. It wasn't a sad day. And, and that was just so hard for me. And backing, like backtracking a tiny, tiny bit, those two days were probably some of the hardest days I've ever had to go through because I had to make sure all my brothers came. Those four brothers I talked about earlier, I had to make sure that they all came. My one brother was in the Carolinas, in the Outer Banks, I believe, and he, I had to call him and tell him dad was dying and that he needed to get home to Pennsylvania ASAP. And his friend, by the grace of God, was able to drive him to Pennsylvania just in time, the night before, to be able to spend a few hours with my father, introduce my dad to his girlfriend, who is amazing. Shout out to her as well. Right before he died the next morning. And that phone call stays with me. Him coming to the house stays with me. Uh, taking care of my little brother and my two older brothers and just watching all of us suffer in our own ways those two days was some of the hardest things that I ever, ever had to go through. Watching my mom mom have to give her child to the Lord, knowing that she was living, outliving her son, all, my aunts and uncles, all of them. There is a ton of them. I think there are seven kids. So he had six brothers and sisters. And they, watching them all be with my dad the days, the two days before he passed, all of it was just so much. There were so many decisions to be made, so much heartbreak, so many tears. But honestly, God also gave me that time with him. Not many people are granted that access to, to your loved ones before you die. And I realize that. I am grateful for that. I love the fact that Jesus gave us that time because there was something very final about being with my dad the days before he passed and being able to say goodbye to him. And like he had everyone with him during that time. And that's just something that I will forever be grateful for. That Saturday, it's like a blur, the day he died. I remember just having to take care of a lot of stuff. I had to be the one to make all the, most of the phone calls to people that he left a list of names of people that he needed, um, that, that needed to be contacted, excuse me, after his passing. And so I had to call them up and I could still remember some of the phone calls of people asking me, is this real? Um, are you sure? I, I remember hating that question. Are you sure? And being and wanting to just scream through the phone and be like, yes, I'm sure that my father's dead. People questioning whether or not your father is dead as you're actively telling them that your father has died. It... I don't know. It does something to your heart in that moment. I just felt so infuriated, so mad and so angry that they were even questioning it. But I know that like, that was just my emotions going off the rail. But I had to do stuff like that and picking out the songs. And it wasn't just me. My grandmother was involved with that. And my dad's fiance was also involved with that stuff too. But I'm just speaking on my personal experience. Just, it was so extremely hard. And 
I'll get maybe get into more detail about all of this um, in later episodes, but yeah, this was just really an intro into like a background into my life and what happened to my father and our relationship and how the Lord changed that relationship around, how I lost him, how I literally in basically a year went from being able to have the best relationship with my father I've ever had to having to be his caregiver and take care to care of him and then six months later him passing away and joining Jesus in heaven it was a roller coaster of emotions and we're still working through it and then in episode two I'm going to discuss what happened after my dad passed because only nine short days later my best friend my sister since I've kn- who I've known since 12, 13 years old, she took her life. And that was only nine days after my father passed. And so that will be, I'll discuss Brie, her name is, I'll discuss her in episode two, because all of this is just too much sometimes for even me to talk about again. So I just want to let you know how much I love you guys and I care about you guys. Thank you. If you stayed to the end of this episode, I just want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for being here and listening to my part of my story. And I just wanted to let you know that we're going to get through this together and that the Lord loves you and I love you and happy healing. Thank you again for listening, and I just wanted to reach out to you and let you know that if you wanted to get in contact with me, I'd be more than happy to have a conversation with you. My Instagram handle is Chris underscore Hines, and that's probably the best way that you can reach me. Um, I share grief content on my Instagram page as well, and just if you have any questions or if you just wanted to chat about something going on in your life, I'd be more than happy to lend an ear and and be a friend to that. If you guys like this episode, please like, comment, and share it to someone who you think might benefit from it. Again, happy healing, my friends, and I love you.